Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so psyched you're here. Thank you so much for listening. This week's guest is Courtney Thomas, and Courtney is on a mission to help women find their own inner Dolly Parton. Through guided self-discovery work and coaching, she helps women see themselves so they can trust themselves in every choice they make for their bodies, lives, and businesses. On the daily, everyone needs the blunt but kind reminder that the only, quote, right way to do something is the way that works for you. With her background in fitness and life coaching, Courtney has a gift for understanding all kinds of people, building instant rapport, and saying what she means without being mean. She helps women cut through the fluff to the conversations that matter. There aren't confetti cannons around here, but there's a whole lot of grit and growth. As you may recognize in that description of Courtney, Courtney and I have a lot in common. Turns out we have a lot in common with Dolly Parton too. And in this episode, you'll hear me mention, I wonder what Dolly Parton's human design looks like. So I gotcha. I looked it up. Dolly is a four, six generator. She has, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but one gift she has is she has the gift of magnetism. Basically people are drawn to her. It's also known as like sexy energy and she's got a defined root and a defined sacral and all of her other centers are open. Although she's got tons of energy in her throat. So she's here to be an advocate for others. We know this is what she does. And of course she does it her way. I'm psyched that Courtney taught me so much about Dolly. I'm going to dig into her further and who knows, maybe you will learn more about her here on the Find Your Awesome podcast. Now, before we get into this conversation with Courtney, okay couple of things. But first I want to tell you, so we talk about all sorts of things. We talk about our histories. Courtney and I both came, come from a personal training background. So we talk about that. And then we finish off talking about, we, we didn't know this until we were having this conversation, this recorded conversation that we both retired from social media last year. So you'll hear at the end, just how, how fun it was for me, at least finding somebody else who had like the exact same same, same, but different experience with social media, with retiring from social media and how amazing it feels to be off social media. Okay. So now the news that I haven't told you is coming, but I'm really excited. I have a new offer. It's called light leader amplification, and it is one-on-one coaching for people who want to raise the world by being their divine selves. If that resonates with you, if the idea of being a light leader it just feels like, oh my goodness. Yes. I'm so seen. Who is a light leader? A light leader wants to raise the world. A light leader wants to send ripples of light around the world. And a light leader knows that to send ripples of light across the planet, they need to do it from a place of love and light. So calling all light leaders, come check out light leader amplification one-on-one coaching to get you off that struggle bus and into the whole world of ease and flow and massive impact. Let's get you doing what you're supposed to be doing. Let's get you feeling and being sparkly AF so you can change the world. In fact, so you 
can raise the world. Go to my website, kelseyabbott.com to learn more. The specific link is kelseyabbott.com slash coaching. And I dropped the link in the show notes to make it easy. So you don't have to write anything down now. You can just listen. Enjoy this conversation with Courtney. I love you. You are a miracle. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and be awesome. Courtney, I'm so excited to do this with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped to be here. So I need to ask you for the first question, like the first line in your bio, <laughs> it talks about Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. What is your relationship with Dolly? <laughs> well, it is a lifelong relationship with a really incredible lady. Um, so Dolly Parton has been certainly a theme and a person through my life. I mean, kind of as long as I can remember, like I can remember sitting like on the floor watching Dolly on hee haw with my great grandma, you know, while she was babysitting me as a child. Um, so definitely been a presence kind of throughout my life. Someone I've always been aware of and just kind of really enjoyed. I mean, cause who doesn't, um, and then within about the last, probably five years or so. She's really kind of come back into my awareness in a whole different way. Um, really. And then like kind of digging into who Dolly is and how she is and everything about her and her story. Like it is, it is incredible. And she is, you know, so, um, she's really kind of come back in my adult life as a huge inspiration to really just, show up as exactly who I'm meant to be, you know, and she's a touchstone for me in that way. Um, it's funny because I hadn't like really connected it kind of like loosely came across it and was rewriting like the about page on my website several years ago and, um, came across the, uh, my favorite and kind of my life motto Dolly quote is find out who you are and do it on purpose. And that's really, like, again, that's my touchstone. That's my motivation a lot of times. And just kind of my, like, what would Dolly do, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, and then it's really kind of become a part of my philosophy, you know, that the work that I do and, you know, how I work and support clients and the conversations that we have and, you know, the, the things that I write and share and everything, it's really all coming back to that. Like, find out who you are and then choose to do that, be that person. And Dolly is like the a number one representation of that. You know, she's never, ever been anyone other than exactly who she is completely unapologetically, you know, from the time that she was, you know, just a baby girl hitching a ride to Nashville from the Tennessee mountains, you know, all the way through, you know, all these controversial times in, in the sixties and the seventies and eighties in her career. And, you know, even now, I mean, she's 74 years old and look at her, like she is no one, but Dolly. And, um, I just, I take so much from that. So she's definitely a, a central person for me, both, you know, business-wise and personally. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love you've certainly piqued my interest about her. I only know <laughs> a little bit. I watched like a little thing that Reese Witherspoon did with her. Yeah. And I think that's where I learned everything I know about her other than knowing who she was. Yeah. She's, um, she's a very interesting person. And I think, I don't think you're alone in that. Like, you know, a lot of people are kind of like aware of Dolly or, you know, we might know nine to five or I will always love you or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. just that like she has big hair and big boobs. Um, but outside of that, you know, she's, she's a pretty incredible person. Her career has been 
amazing. And she has been a pioneer in a lot of ways. And ultimately like, it's kind of like the, you know, like the news story came out that she donated a million dollars to, you know, one of the COVID vaccines and, you know, stuff like that, like things like that. People don't know the background of like what Dolly's, you know, business empire looks like essentially. And the different, um, choices that she's made, uh, like throughout her career, um, in music, in TV movies. I mean, you know, she, she, things like, you know, she got to the point where like, she had this idea for Dollywood and all of her advisors were like, "Mm, no, that's a bad idea. And she was like, no, this is what I want. And like, I'm telling you, that is like the greatest place on earth. You know, we think that that other, like, you know, those other theme parks are the happiest place on earth. No, no, no. You're like, you're wrong. Not until you go to Dollywood, but um, you know, her, it's funny. I have a whole talk that is basically about all Dolly's background and like how these different choices have kind of led her to, you know, kind of be this icon of, you know, storytelling and songwriting and producing and business and, you know, just kind of show business. She's one of the only people out there. There's just a handful of people who have won awards for basically every different type of medium, you know, and she's one of them, you know, stuff like that. Just very, um, yeah, it's, it's really powerful. Her story is very, very cool. Highly recommended to, um, dig a little bit more into it. Like there are a couple, um, there's a couple, um, uh, what do you call them? Like documentaries. And there's a really good podcast, Dolly Parton's America. That's a good one to learn more about her background and stuff. So yeah, she's a really interesting person. Mm-hmm. And of course, by digging into her background, I'm going to, when we are done with this conversation, see if her human design is available. Oh, and that I will be definitely be talking about that in the intro or outro or wherever, if I can find it. I can't wait to learn more about that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you help people find their inner Dolly Parton. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, it's a, it's a lot of just self-discovery, you know, there's a lot of places in life where we tend to get really covered up in who the world tells us that we should be instead of this deep inner knowing of who we truly are. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different stuff around that. There's a lot of just conditioning, especially for people who identify as women, you know, we have kind of a lot of extra layers as far as that goes, you know, and I just, I'm really passionate about finding ways and providing resources and conversations and, you know, self-reflection tools for people to kind of get down to the deep of that, you know, the stuff that we don't maybe want to look at, or we're a little scared to, you know, dig into, I kind of call it the squishy bits, (laughs) you know, like we can read self-help books all day long, but that doesn't really tell us who we are. You know, it takes a little bit more. So, um, yeah, it's a kind of a deep and personal process and, it's just really about getting to know yourself better, you know, in this world of, again, everybody telling us who we need to be, what we should be doing, how, and when we should be doing it, all of that kind of stuff. And really just sorting out through all those shoulds, getting down to what's most important and then finding the ways to really just show up in that way and express that and take action around it and live more deeply into who we are. Mm. You know, you're speaking my language. But how did you get to this place? Did you, when you were a little kid, were you like, I love Dolly Parton. Therefore I'm going to help people bring out their inner Dolly Parton. Like what was your path? Huh. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh my goodness. I, I, you know, I've gotten asked that question before in like different like networking scenarios and stuff. And I don't, I mean, 
I don't remember having a strong sense of that, to be honest. Like, I mean, I was a very, very confident kid. Um, and very much like, a you know, I don't, I don't play by the rules kind of a thing, but then at the same time, I grew up in a really small town. So like, you were always still like, I had a lot of tension and now I'm like, you know, sorting through this later in life through various channels and coaching and therapy and all of the stuff. But I had a lot of tension between like, really, I think having this like deep understanding of who I was and being that person, then also still trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really remember having like a strong, you know, kind of thing of what I wanted to do or any of that other than really just, and again, this kind of falls into that category of the world telling you what you're supposed to do of like, you go to college, get a good job, which essentially means a job that pays well. And you climb the corporate ladder to like become a quote successful person. Like, I I just kind of vaguely remember that that's the message, you know? Um, so I, I mean, I, I kind of did, did some of that, I guess, you know, like I, I ultimately like later in high school, I got some, you know, wild hair up my butt, as they say, uh, that I wanted to wait, um, who's they? Cause I've never heard that expression <laughs> really? before. <laughs> really? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe that's just a upper Midwest thing. I don't know. Um, so All right, I so have this wild, it. I'm a very visual person. Yeah. So you have this wild hair up your butt. Yeah. Okay. And what, Otherwise what known as like a inspiration idea, whatever <laughs> that, you know, gets you moving in a certain direction. Um, that, so I wanted to like be a, a resort manager at like a tropical hotel in the islands somewhere. So I went to hospitality school. That, that was kind of my start to that like career path, I guess. And, um, I did go to hospitality school very quickly figured out that I definitely did not want to do that. And that was like the worst idea ever. Hospitality is awful. And I had no interest in working for like the worst pay ever every day, all the time, long hours, holidays, nights, weekends, and basically just like dealing with the worst of humanity, um, (laughs) or, uh, humanity when they tend to allow themselves to be at their worst. Let's say that a lot of times people around travel are, you know, in just not their, not their greatest moments. So, um, I didn't end up changing my major, which I always kind of say now is, is great because it was both a business degree and essentially a degree in customer service, which is, honestly, what we all do, but certainly as a coach. Um, so came out of school and did kind of do the corporate thing through various jobs for several years. And I mean, none of it really felt great. It was kind of just like a thing to do, you know, sort of just that float along in life and collect some, uh, money and, you know, sort of just keep going. Um, and my, along the way I met my husband and we made a move Uh, and my last like corporate job that I had was in staffing. So, uh, like, you know, for a recruiting company and it was, it was awful. It just, I still like, it just feels terrible in my gut to even think your energy right now feels like garbage. It was garbage. I am telling you, because for me, it made people into a commodity and I could not reconcile that in my heart and soul. You know, it was like, this matters, like people's livelihood matters. And meanwhile, the way that, you know, a contract staffing company approaches that and the way that their clients approach that is basically throwing people away like garbage. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it, you know? Um, so at the same time I had somewhat like newly gotten into 
running and into working out and trying out spinning classes and like kind of doing some other fitnessy things, which was totally new to me. I was not an athlete. I did not do sports. I did not do any of that stuff when I was younger. So I was like mid twenties at this point and just kind of getting into it. And my husband at the time was like, okay, you're miserable. Clearly you do know that like somebody owns that gym that you go to. Right. And I was like, well, I mean, I never even thought about it because it just, it was so like, it, it was so foreign to me that that could be a profession and a thing that people did. So, um, that kind of started me on the path to like this sort of piece of my, of my journey, which did start in fitness. So I actually did go talk to the guy who owned that gym and he was super, super nice. And, you know, kind of just gave me a little bit of info about some places I could start, you know, personal training certifications, different options, like things I could do, you know, and suggestions. And, um, so I did, I got my personal training certification, my spinning instructor certification. Um, and then we moved again and luckily that provided me with a connection to, um, get my first job in a gym. So I worked in a gym for about a year and a half and along the way too, like, that was a great start. I got a ton of like initial kind of, you know, just basically like how to work with people and clients and a lot of good kind of initial, um, training, you know, in, in fitness and all that kind of stuff. But two, there was like a distinct lack of alignment with the management there and with the clientele there, it wasn't a great fit for me and for what I wanted to do. And as I started to explore on my own different parts and pockets and ways to be in the health and fitness world, I realized that like I needed to do my next step. So, um, I started my own business and this was like a little over eight years ago. Um, and I started doing in-home personal training and, uh, online personal training at the same time. So like way back before everybody was online and all that kind of stuff, I started it very early on. Um, so kind of in combination with those things, the most meaningful thing that really kind of set me on this path to, you know, more of the self-discovery and body image coaching was really that, I was going into women's homes anywhere from one to three times a week and really getting to know their lives, like deeply getting to build relationships with them, seeing not only their physical environment, but like making friends with their kiddos and their partners, seeing their schedule, just like, you know, all of it. And like, just getting, I mean, physical movement and that kind of thing is, it's a really intimate space. And, um, you know, especially as a newer professional, it was, I feel like a lot of new fit pros kind of go through this to where it's like this regimented thing of like working out is so important and like eating clean and, you know, staying consistent and like checking all these boxes and following all these rules. And I pretty quickly realized when I started doing that work that like that stuff is like 10% of the equation, but you know, I mean, believe me, I'm the biggest proponent of moving your body in a way that feels good to you, but um, it just, it's such a small part of your overall well being and all of the things that make that up. And, um, my clients essentially started to reflect that back to me, that that was how our relationship was really benefiting them. It kind of was this, you know, this like conversation of, you know what, don't get me wrong. Like I love our workouts and I still want you to come over and like, that's fantastic. But, oh my gosh, that conversation that we had last week or like that email that you sent me or that book that you recommended or whatever, like that is blowing my mind and I can't stop thinking about it. And this is just changing everything for me. And, um, so I realized that I kind of naturally was coaching and started to lean a bit more into that, like, you know, recognizing and allowing that it was a strength of mine and started to kind of cultivate and actually do that more. And then along the way that sort of shifted, which, you know, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, that there were elements of getting really burned out on the fitness industry. 
Um, I stepped away for a full year at one point, um, you know, and then kind of really did my own self-discovery work and my own self-reflection to kind of see, you know, where and how I could fit in, how I wanted to, um, you know, contribute and serve. And, um, now it's kind of this cross of, you know, again, like just inner self-work and self-discovery work, but also less fitness and more figuring out how to feel good in your skin. Um, and I kind of like, I'm kind of like the anti-fitness fitness professional, you know, like, I mean, it's still very much a part of my world, but in a very specific way. And that's typically, um, it's, it's disruptive at this point to, you know, your kind of conventional fitness person. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey and I have tried to kind of just be really conscious of listening to the messages of the flow of that while again, staying true to, you know, who I am and really how I want to, like I said, contribute and serve. Mm. And the similarities, I'm just smiling here as I hear your, your path. It's so similar to mine. And I even pictured myself as you're talking about, like going in clients' homes, I was yeah. just thinking about my clients' dogs. I really got to know yeah, their dogs. I know, same. Love the dogs. Love the dogs. Then <laughs> uh, and, and dog wrangling was a huge part of training my clients in their homes. Like knowing, okay, yep. we're gonna do some exercises on the floor now. Yeah. So like, I'll hold these guys back. Um, yep. But it's interesting. I remember one of my first clients when I was working in a gym. I would train her. We did thirty minute sessions. Okay, and. It, she talked a lot and I was always trying to, I was like, you know, trying to reduce more moving, less talking. If you can talk while you're moving, that's cool. But I remember she, we hadn't been working together that long. And she was like, Kelsey, this is a game changer. I'm so much healthier. Like she'd lost a ton of weight, gotten so much stronger. And I was in my head, I'm like, we're not doing anything. Yeah. Movement wise, we're doing, the only thing is like, you're, you're not currently eating chips and sitting on the couch when you're working out with me. And that's when I started to realize it's the mindset. And yes. I started having that realization. Also, say to people like, I really give zero anything about what you do for a workout. You yep. do what you want to do for a workout. You do what lights you up. You do what you're going to do. Amen. But I do care about your excuses. And I do care about you like owning your taking care of yourself. Yeah. And loving yourself. Yep. Yep. That's huge. Yeah. I, I am right there with you and definitely have had that, you know, like you said, early on kind of had that realization too, that was like, but you're not getting it. And then I was like, no, 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 I'm not getting it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like exactly. this looks different, you know, and then kind of realizing like, Oh, okay, here is the stuff that's really transformational for people. And it definitely starts not so much in, you know, beating yourself up either mentally and emotionally or physically, you know what I mean? And I just, it, it's, it's such an interesting thing because I think that, you know, we can be helpful to people in their, you know, in their physical health and well-being, um, while not having to directly, uh, prescribe that if you will, you know, I just got so uncomfortable telling people what to do with their bodies. Like that's a whole point is that you get to choose what to do with your body. You should be empowered. And I am not the one to empower you that comes from you. So like for me to say, you need to 
do X, Y, Z cardio and you have to be strength training. Cause it's so good for you. Like that's BS. That's, that's just not true. Every human is different. Everybody's life looks different and everybody's, you know, version of how they're going to feel good in that life is different. And it just, it's, um, you know, it's, it can be really challenging to separate that. And I feel like it's active work forever to realize, you know, when it's kind of falling into that trap of the diet culture mentality, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting. I think there's this really strong belief that fitness, the fitness industry and the athletes, that there's a lot of type a energy in here. And I've had a lot of Mm -hmm. people say like, Oh, you must be really type a (laughs) nope. Nope. (laughs) I am as far as you can get from type a and do I train every day? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like, I don't do that from a pushy place. Yep. Um, and you just reminded me of a client I had early on. He, before we started working together, he, he starts arguing me, with me right off the bat. Like oh, no. it was like, hi, my name is Kelsey. And he's like, hi, my name is whatever it was. And I'm not going to run. Running is really bad for you. And like, just going to destroy your knees and, and went for like, 10 minutes straight, just talking about how horrible running was. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care if you run. Yeah. You, you, I want you to do whatever exercise it, yeah. you want to do. And he just like sat there in stunned silence. Yeah. 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 I have had similar experiences for sure. And it just shocks the heck out of people when I'm like, yeah, no, I, I have been a credentialed, qualified, experienced, you know, trained trainer for a decade now. And you don't have to do any of that. And they just look at you like, well, but yes, you do. And I'm like, no, you absolutely do not. (laughs) So what, you know, what's next? Let's, let's figure out what, what it is that's right for you. And it's just, it's this completely overwhelming and yet entirely freeing idea. And I have just seen it kind of like the, that first client that you mentioned just totally change people's lives because like when they allow this other path to open up, then kind of, I mean, kind of like yourself, you know, if you're not forcing it, you're going to be more apt to choose what, you know, what fits for you and then actually do it instead of feeling compelled to do it because somebody else is telling you what to do, which like, I mean, I don't care if you're type A, B, C, or double Z, nobody likes to be forced into (laughs) doing something, you know? Yeah. Are you familiar with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's see if together we can like figure out, I know there's the (laughs) obliger who does things for external validation, external expectations. There's the rebel Mm -hmm. who won't do anything for internal, internal or external expectations. There's the questioner mm-hmm. who will do, who needs to take external expectations. And then if she agrees with them, turns them into internal motivation. Mm-hmm. And then the upholder yep. who's what in it for external expectations, but not for internal. Something like that. I think we have the general gist. Yeah. So I've had clients come to me and they've been like, before I started working with you, I was an obliger. Yeah. And now I'm a questioner. Yeah. I, I think I'm a lifelong questioner. Yeah. I'm a questioner and a rebel. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. 
the rebel comes up every once in a while. Yeah. I, I, same as you, I have a lot of people who like directly refer to that and they're like, I'm an obliger. And that's why I need somebody to like, hold me accountable. You know, like I just had somebody recently who said that too. And she was like, I don't want you to tell me what to do, but I do need you to like be my once a week email check-in so that I'll do it myself, you know? So it's kind of really interesting how that, how that process goes, you know, but I, I mean, too, like it always happens just what you said to where finding your way to like kind of work through that or like at least have some awareness of it, you know, then that often makes these shifts and kind of unlocks all these different doors for how you, um, you know, how you kind of do things. Right. And people will tell you, of course, that there's one way to do things. I'm (laughs) taking a course right now. And, um, the person who's leading the course suggests that we get accountability accountability buddies. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, Wait, if I like am emailing someone to tell them, okay, I'm going to do the homework right now or at this time, I'm, why don't I just do the homework? I mean, I'm all for meeting people. <laughs> That's a great of point. <laughs> like I'm all for connections and I know myself as soon as I'm about to tell someone that I'm going to do something, even w- in any part of my life, I'll be like, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then I do it right then. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Cause I, I could it. take the energy that I was going to take to, I promise I'll do it. And mm-hmm. honestly, then we can look at it from a human design perspective and I have an open crown, which means I'm susceptible to mental pressure. And so holding on to things that like, like to do's to do in the future, okay, that is really stressful for me. That's heavy. And I'm like, I want to get rid of that. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Just do it now when you're thinking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So what comes up with in your work around body image? Uh, I mean, what doesn't, you know, there, um, it's a, it's a squishy place to be again. You know, I mean, it it definitely depends on the client. Um, what I find is really interesting is that, um, I, I sometimes get like a lot of pushback around it. What's interesting is I've done, um, quite a bit of research around body image and, you know, kind of just relating topics, you know, to that conditioning, um, thin ideal stuff, different, different stuff like this. And, um, it's something like, depending on what studies you look at and what research you look at, it's something like 87 to 98% of women, um, struggle with body image. And that's a lot of women. That's like almost everybody, That's right? a lot. That's a lot of women. And it manifests in like all kinds of different ways. And, um, what's so funny is that so often I will like use that terminology or kind of talk about it or something. And almost every single person that I mean is like, I don't have body image problems. (laughs) I'm like, okay, like, like that's, that's fine. And we keep talking and they literally like, they, they tell me the story of their body image challenges. (laughs) And it's so funny, um, because it's just one of those things that like, it just, it's kind of unconscious, um, and yet so prevalent. Um, so I think that, you know, really a lot of it, again, it can kind of show up in, in all the different ways, but a lot of this kind of beating yourself up for not, you know, like you said, not, not doing things the one way that we're told that we should do, or, um, a lot of, um, kind of extension of body image around, the like good and bad dichotomy that the fitness and diet industry likes to attach, you know, morality to bodies essentially. Um, so, you know, a lot of that, I mean, that's, that's all body image stuff. 
um, you know, like, why can't I do this myself when really it has nothing to do with, you know, your internal willpower or goodness or, you know, any of that stuff. I mean, so much of just so much of it is just really talking about that, breaking it down, seeing it for what it is. And then I think it starts to, um, become so much clearer to the women that I work with, like, Ooh, this is how it's affecting me. You know, like it's, it's making me less confident at work. It's making me less confident with my partner. It's making me feel just like less worthy as a human. And then I'm not, you know, doing the things that I say that I want to do, you know, whether that's personal or professional or anywhere. Um, and you know, through typically through the, the time period that I have, you know, working with people in partnerships, we can get to what those roots are, you know, and that, that checks far back for a lot of people, but, um, you know, then it, then it becomes a conversation that moves from, you know, this negative body image space to, you know, more being a little bit more neutral and, um, invoking a lot of (laughs) self-compassion in that practice. So if people aren't really resonating with the word or the term body image, how, how do you see it show up? What are some examples? Um, I, I do think there is the, um, a lot of times it's kind of that if then thinking, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I want to do this thing or, you know, something in my job or travel or start dating or whatever. Like when I lose 15 pounds, that's a body image challenge, right? Like that's, you know, being unable to, you know, accept where, you know, who and where you are right now. Um, that kind of, so that kind of, if then, or, um, and this, I feel like there's an element of Gretchen Rubin stuff in this too, or I can't remember who it is, but, um, kind of the, like, you know, as soon as this happens, then I'll be happy, you know, like that, that kind of a thing. So some expression of that, again, a lot of times, like I've just been doing this for so long that I can kind of like see through the lens, you know, to say like, Ooh, okay, this is tracking back to like a body, a body thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times it's kind of holding back from something, waiting for something until something gets quote, right, you know, with a body. And, um, you know, that's kind of a, that's a pretty common one. Um, you know, even just stuff like, Oh, I don't, I don't like anybody to take pictures of me or like, I'm not going to wear a swimsuit or, you know, and like, So clothing things for sure. Um, you know, just not taking, not taking the, the chances that they want to take in, in work life, you know, stuff like that. It can, I mean, it pretty much, it goes everywhere. I always say like your, your body does not, how you, and how you feel about your body does not exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. It affects absolutely everything. So it can be a million different ways. And it's, it's funny because I mean, to your point, I've had to kind of, um, you know, certainly shift how I talk about, you know, not only what I do, but even just, I don't know, kind of everything around it. You know, I, I certainly try to educate around, like, I'm not telling you that there's something wrong with you because you struggle with body image. I'm just saying, this is a common thing. And here's some ways that it can show up. And this is just the terminology of what it is, you know, um, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. We all have our days. Um, and it also doesn't like end, like you don't just all of a sudden get good at this and then that's it, you know, lifelong journey. Um, but anyway, you know, like I, I've just found too, that a lot of times it, it means having more conversation and just really, truly connecting with people, you know, to let them share their story and be able to relate and, you know, just kind of talk through things. This makes me think of, I just interviewed Amy white for the podcast and that episode is going to air on the 11th. Um, 
And Amy was saying that a lot of people tend to think of their body as separate from them. Yes. And yet we are body, soul, mind, spirit. We are all. Yes. And all beings are. What's up Mm. with that? Thinking our body is something separate. I too, I think that that is a lot of uh, capitalism. Like, I mean, am I allowed to say that, you, you know, can say like, whatever you I want. mean, honestly, like, I think it goes back so much to some really, really, oh, just so damaging stuff. I mean, patriarchal BS and like, you know, again, how capitalism comes into this and like just getting sold to all the time and kind of this continual rat race and hustle and all of the things that again, really kind of goes back to this morality thing of, you know, how to have a good body and and what's right and what's wrong. And, um, all of this kind of being sold to and being told what to do. I think that is a big piece of how we've gotten so separate from ourselves and definitely how we separate from our bodies then, because if our bodies don't follow that line, then we don't want to associate it. Right. Like you don't want to own that. Oh my gosh, this, this is wrong setting aside that of course it's not wrong, you know, like it it just, there's so many layers to it, but I definitely think that's an element of it that like, we want to distance ourselves from what we perceive as a failure, but it's according to somebody else's standards, of course. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I'm thinking right now, as you're talking, like we've got the people like the doctors who smoke, Oh my God. The, the doctors who are incredibly overweight and do not follow any of the things that they're preaching without even thinking to their poor, poor mistreated patients. Exactly. Oh. And then even like we are the whole thing. Yeah. It is our duty to take care of mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I've heard some people try to bridge the gap by referring to their body as like, she wants this or, okay. and I think it's an interesting bridge and yet mm-hmm. it's still talking about your body as other. Mm-hmm. That's my perspective on it. What do you, what do you think? I think that that totally makes sense. I'm, I think I'm with you there, you know, and it's interesting. I think you could probably parallel how, um, you know, how it's recommended, you know, if you're going to do like, like, if you're going to try to shift into positive self-talk or like create a mantra or something like that, like you say that in the first person, right? So like, if you're struggling with mindset stuff, you say, I am powerful. I am, you know, so interesting that then you would create that separation for your body. Yeah. Wild. It's your body. You are your body. Uh huh. Yeah. And when you realize that you are your body, you realize that you want to take care of it. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And again, not in a specific right way. No, no. Well, and I think that comes by, like you said, like, closing that gap, right? Like the more that you realize that this is you and you are your body and it all is together, I think you can get in better touch with what it is that you need. You know, like I actually have an exercise in um, my body image coaching program. that's like determining your personal hierarchy of needs. And it, it connects all of that. It's body, mind, and soul. It's everything. Like, what are your basic needs that need to be met? And then like, what are the things that, you know, take you to your high level of self-actualization or whatever? Like, that's all fine. But, um, you know, like you said, it, it, it certainly doesn't have to be any one thing. And I think 
the only way to figure out what is the right movement or expression of whatever physical thing for you that, you know, makes sense for you and your body. I think the only way to know that is to actually like be in your body. Yeah. So can you tell us more about figuring out your hierarchy of needs? Um, well, I mean, it essentially, if, if, you know, if your audience is familiar with like the, the traditional, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever, you know, it's basically like you want food and water to start with, and then kind of goes up from there of, you know, like basically like learning goals, experiential things. And again, like being totally self-aware and self-actualized and whatever. So it essentially parallels that incorporating, um, you know, kind of all of the mindset work that we do along the way and exploring all the different expressions and options of, all the available things that you can do for your body, which could be nothing. It could be one sun salutation. It could be, you know, like any of these things. Um, but also, you know, of course how those things like, and how other like mental, emotional things kind of connect to that too, you know? So I don't strictly, um, suggest that people keep it physical, you know, like that can be part of it, but, um, yeah. It's a, it's a fun one. There's a, I, I made a graphic and everything. <laughs> we know that's a really big deal. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What does your, what does Courtney need? Ah, um, well, uh, for me, definitely people, I oddly, uh, that was, that was not something I think I recognized for a long time. Thinking about like understanding my own hierarchy of needs, definitely, um, people and connecting with people, certainly my husband and partner. Um, but I regularly have conversations with both, you know, just like continual people and new people. That's a really big thing for me. Um, combined though, on the flip side with like time to myself, I'm an only child. I will forever be like the stereotypical only child, like leave me alone and give me some alone time. Cause like, I need it. Not necessarily introversion by nature, no, you're wanting to six. connect with people, but I like to like be by myself too. Um, so interesting that I would name social stuff first, um, just kind of self-reflecting in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I mean, pretty regularly, some type of a, some type of a physical movement. Um, I don't put a ton of parameters around that, especially now I like you sounds like have definitely went through very regimented training cycles and, you know, very specific performance goals, both with lifting, with running, you know, with other things, but right now it's something every day, but sometimes that literally can be like 10 minutes of pigeon pose, you know? So it's, it's just something where again, throughout my own personal process, I've gotten to like learn more about how I'm connected to my body and I can actually listen to it and say like, what do I need today? And I'm certainly not going to do something that's going to make me feel not how I want to feel, you know, just because I think I should or any of that stuff. So Um, but something, something physical, um, I need an animal in the house. That's really important for me. That is definitely part of my explicit hierarchy of needs. Like I don't like going to hotels for too long. I miss my animals. Um, and you know, fresh air, definitely fresh air. Like any time of year, I, I have to get outside and just breathe in some air, look at the sky, you know, hear the trees, 
Um, and just for me, it's kind of a, it's a God in the universe gratitude thing that I get to stand on this earth and breathe this air. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think mine would be really similar. (laughs) I, um, definitely need physical movement every single day Mm -hmm. and that looks different every day. I need connection with nature. I need connection with other beings. Mm -hmm. That's humans and animals. Um, I need delicious, nutritious food. Yep. What else did you, I mean, you said animals in the house. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that bit you described about needing human connection and then needing alone time. That's Mm -hmm. as a four, six, because you're a four, six, two, right? Mm -hmm. In human design. We like, we, we go really deep, really fast. Yes. That is and then, to a T. <laughs> and, and then that's kind of exhausting. Like that's energetically expensive. Sure. So then we need time to refuel. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's why we are the reason four, six, the four, six profile is the reason I no longer believe in introversion versus extroversion. Yeah. You know, I always find that like kind of conversation and those questions and stuff. So interesting. Cause I can't, you know, like if somebody forces me to qualify in that context, it's the, like, whatever, like an ambivert, you know, That's what I, like I, say I, too. I like both, you know, like I, I am energized by people and also like, I want to be by myself and exactly. leave me wrong, please. So like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know overall, as far as like personality tests and stuff go, I take those things so, so very lightly. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, it's like some dude who wrote a multiple choice test. And I mean, as we all know, like, you know, if if you don't test well, or if you feel influenced by the test or whatever, like, it's not going to tell you anything about yourself, you know, yourself best. And I think I've, at least personally, I've found those things to be sometimes informative. It's just a little bit of data, but it's so interesting how people let those things tell them who they are versus like trying to actually understand that on their own terms. Um, labels are so easy. It's yep, so easy for us to label ourselves mm-hmm. as like a type. It's just as like, mm-hmm. it's easy to label foods as good or bad. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, or our so bodies as good or bad. Mm-hmm. And then you don't I mean, have to I do know. the work. Yeah. And I know for me, like I've found that I resonate more with something like human design because it's based literally on you as a unique being born into the world at an exact specific time and place. Like it, it isn't about anything other than you, you know, like it's, it's interesting. Um, and same with astrology, you know, that's Mm -hmm. certainly based on you uniquely. Um, especially if you dig into it and like get a personal reading, you know, like, so, um, I have found out more about myself with those things, but then at the same time, like if something doesn't fit, I'm like, well, no, that's not really me. And like, don't sweat it. You know, like it's, it, it doesn't tell me about me. I tell me about me. Exactly. <laughs> it's all just information. Okay. Two more questions for you. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more. First one is what's the scariest thing you've ever done? I don't even know. I can't think of what a scary thing I've done is. And I'm not like a no fear person. Um, I'm also not like a, where my head goes with that is like, like, uh, like things we think of as scary and I'm not like a big risk taker. Like I'm not going to go bungee jumping or anything. Like there's a risk of brain damage. Like that's, that's who I am. Like, so I don't, boy, I don't know. Was it scary Um, to have that conversation with the gym owner? Was it scary to start your business? 
I don't, I don't actually think I can answer yes to either of those because it just kind of was a thing that like naturally made sense for me. Um, some things that like, so the things that probably I could say feel like most scarier to me, it always like manifests as like, just like a friggin' flop sweat in my body, right? Like to where I'm like shaking and you sort of almost feel like you're having an out of body experience. The one that I can actually think of very relevant to our conversation for sure was my first year. Um, so I'm on a, on a national women's committee for, um, a national certifying body for a fitness association. And the, like, there's always a yearly meeting at the yearly national conference. And the first year that I was part of that committee. And the first one that I went to during that meeting, I was the, like literally the only one who actually like basically spoke up for what the mission of the committee is, which is to like advance opportunities for women in strength and conditioning. And I was like the only one who like pushed back on anything or brought anything controversial up or any of that stuff. And I remember like, and it was, (laughs) they're used to me now. I've been on this committee for like five years. So like it's, it's fine now, but in the beginning, like nobody, nobody was speaking up in that way and using their voice in this, in this different space. And it was really, jarring for me. And I remember leaving and like I said, I was just like sweating and the conference that year was in Las Vegas. And so I like put my suit on and went to the pool and I was like, I got to relax. Like that was, that was so much. So, um, yeah, some tips, like some speaking up things are probably some of the scariest things. Cause that does feel, feel like kind of maybe risky for your identity and how you're perceived things like that. Mm-hmm. And the last one is if you had a billboard, that you could put anywhere in the world, but this magical place where you put it, everybody can read it. What would it say? You get to choose. Mm. What does that mean? You get to choose. Don't forget it. Any, any time that I, I'm a huge believer in the power of choice. And again, this is like a recurrent theme for so much of anything that I ever share, any conversation that I have is just to remind people that you, you always get a choice. And it's interesting because there can be, um, an element of like awareness of privilege in that conversation, but it's interesting because so many folks that I've talked to in so many different walks of life and different contexts and different life experiences, they, no matter where you are, like they're going to repeat it too. Like, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you can choose to get up. You can choose to have a different attitude. You can choose just whatever the, the next best step is for you. And also not choosing is also a choice and you always have that choice too. And, um, it can feel really just easy to kind of go through life in a default state in the status quo and, I just believe so much in the power of choice. Me too. Courtney, where can people learn more about you, find you on the internet, work with you, all the, all the good stuff? All the good stuff. Uh, I am real easy to find. Best place to get me is on my website, CourtneyThomas.com. It's Courtney with a K. Um, I always recommend that people sign up for my email list. I send out at least weekly stuff there and it's very like similar to the, if you liked this conversation, you'll like the emails that show up there. It's, um, it's a lot of stuff like this. Um, and you can also kind of get me there, do a free call with me check out my coaching options, all that kind of stuff. It all really lives on my website. 
I stepped away from social media, um, last year. So me too. You, we yeah. haven't even talked about that. Oh, game changer, life changer in all of the ways. So like Isn't you can it? find me on LinkedIn because I'm kind of a business nerd. Um, but you won't find me anywhere else. So like, don't DM me on Instagram because I don't live there anymore. <laughs> Did you close your accounts or are they still there? So I went back and forth, back and forth with that. And, um, I left them up, but that was really strictly from an SEO standpoint, um, just because there's such a longevity there that it, it helps people find my website ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have not, so I went through a whole process, like over the last year or whatever, um, of kind of going back and forth. And I, I mean, I have been a social media person for almost 20 years. So like, it's a huge, kind of a huge deal. And, um, decided, and I gave myself like a six week runway essentially, and like kind of talked about it and shared the story and like prepped myself, shut them down. I, I deleted my Twitter account. I deleted my personal Facebook page, but I kept like, kept the business page up and my Instagram pages up, but I don't, I don't have any like login, any of that stuff. I haven't logged back in once. I haven't missed it. I haven't thought about it. I haven't had any feeling of like, Oh, what did I do? I need to go back to these. Not for a second. It, I don't know how this is for you, but for me, I realized and like actually looked at it that, <laughs> I, I mean, I was spending probably three hours a day on social media between thinking about what I was going to post, taking pictures for a story, you know, writing an actual post, and then like spending another hour and a half, like clicking back into it to see how many likes and shares and, you know, engagement I had and whatever. And like, what a waste of my life. And so getting back three hours a day has allowed me to do more of like stuff like this, like actually, as I mentioned, hierarchy of needs, actually connect with people, have more meetings, build local community. I just recently moved. So I've been able to like have more networking meetings and, you know, go for walks and do all of the stuff that I never like quote had any time for when I was like surfing around on social media all the time. So it has been huge and like that is so far in the rear view mirror. And I'm so happy about it. It's awesome. I, know. I don't know. I'm ex- kind of interested to hear what your experience has been. So I went, I did not give myself a runway. It was, a, I gave, I guess winter, like around Christmas of 2019, I went yeah. off for a couple of weeks, actually from the internet cut out email too. Yeah. And it was amazing. And I had trouble reintegrating back in. And then I went cold turkey, just like, I, I guess I was actually like, oh, I'll probably, I'm just going to take a break. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, I'm not going back in. <laughs> I still have my accounts, but I don't go in. Um, I do use Facebook messenger. Okay. Cause that's easier Yep, to get in touch with people. Sometimes I don't check it every day, yeah. but it's easy. And I did have to go into Instagram in this like backwards way because my strength oh. coach sent me a video for an exercise <laughs> through Instagram. Yeah. Like, okay, if I go in through my computer, I can just go straight to the messages and not see anything. Yeah. But I want nothing to do with it for unknown reasons. I still have the apps on my phone, but I don't touch uh, them. Yeah. I went through a phase of like almost touching one once and then being like, Ooh, yeah, it's like <laughs> totally repulsed by them. Like it is not on my radar. I'm on, oh. it's, I have a LinkedIn account and don't use that really. Yeah. I, I do have a Twitter account, but I haven't known my login information for that for a decade. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. It's just not a part of who I am at all anymore. Yeah. 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 No, I, me either. And it's, it's very interesting to kind of look at it with a little bit of remove, you know, mm-hmm. but then also just 
I feel so much better, you know, just doing things the way that I do them now, you know, yeah. and it's, it's so funny. Cause I had, and I don't know if you have, but I had a lot of conversations with both kind of just like people in my audience and emails and stuff like that. And then also like with close friends and people I was meeting and just so many people were in such awe, like, but how can you do that? And it was like, it's, it's not like you don't, it's not a life requirement. What, what do you mean? Well, how are you going to like know anything about anybody or stay in touch? And I was like, I don't know. There's this weird thing where your social media app lives. It's called a phone that like it has people in it that you can talk to. Yep. <laughs> like, Text you know, me I just, if you need me to know something. I know. I know. I just made it really clear. And that was part of the reason why I think why I did give myself the runway was because I put it out there in many ways and many times like, Hey, I'm going to be gone from here. So if you want to stay in touch with me, you have to find me on my website, email, send me your number. I will text you. I am a texter. I love it. Like, or we'll catch up on the phone or whatever. Like I'm not hard to find. I still live on the internet, but not yeah. on social media. And it's just such a weird thing of like that passive engagement with human beings. And I'm not actually, here for that. I know me either. And actually actively having a relationship. And mm-hmm. I found that to be really powerful. And you know, the people who continue to want that and cultivate that it's so much more meaningful. Yeah. I, I just, I love it. I'm with you a hundred percent. And yeah, if I were planning, I definitely would have given myself the long runway with that. <laughs> Let me know. Like, I want to be in touch with you instead. Yeah. Uh, I had my assistant sneak back in and write like, Kelsey's no longer here. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like email her if you want her. And even to that people like liked and commented on the post. Isn't that funny? I'm not here. <laughs> like, guys, come on, pay attention, (laughs) which again, like speaks to the whole social media thing. Like pay attention. The whole point isn't stealing our attention. Jeez. And then what you were talking about too, the, the time going into figuring out what you're going to post, taking pictures for stories, feeling like, oh my God, I need to bring my phone with me because I'm going for a walk in the park and there might be something to take a picture of like all that. stuff. because people automatically think, yeah, it must be nice to get rid of like seeing other people's photos and the comparisonitis. Like, that honestly was never that much of an issue for me, mm-hmm. but the constant effort into yeah. writing these like really deep posts yep. and then honestly people liking them, but never actually buying from them or rarely yes. like it wasn't. Thank you. Yes. As are you familiar with Ash Ambridge? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she years. said once she's like, so you're trying to sell your product on social media. People are looking at your like sales pitch from the toilet. Is that, is that who you want to buy your stuff? Is that Uh a place where you're making purchases? Yep. Probably not your best that. Yep. Yep. It's funny. I just gave, um, and I've been giving this talk for like five years. Um, it's basically about online coaching in the fitness industry. And a big part of it is talking about, exactly this. Like you want to have, if you're coaching online, sure. You want to have an online presence, but I refer to it as an online digital presence with an emphasis on being able to control and maintain that. You can't do that on social media. You can't control anything that you're doing there. You can't, you really have no control over maintenance and you don't own it. You give up ownership almost immediately, but most importantly, I make a whole separate point about exactly what you said. People don't buy off social media. Social media is for awareness, sometimes community connection, maybe brand building, whatever. But just like you said, like, especially services, I feel like 
you don't buy that off social media. It takes people as a touch point, a springboard to your website yeah. where they're going to get to know you. They might email you. They might schedule a call, whatever. But like, if I can skip the middleman that stresses me out and makes me live inside my phone instead of outside in my life, I'm all about it. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. High fives for the yes, social yes. media free lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> Highly recommended. All right. I have loved this conversation, Courtney. The end part may have been my favorite. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Yay. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you want to learn more about Courtney and find out how you can work with her, make sure you go visit CourtneyThomas.com. Remember that's Courtney with a K, CourtneyThomas.com. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with everybody who needs to hear it. And if you've got a sec, please head over to Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes, and leave a five-star rating and a review for this podcast, the Find Your Awesome podcast. And finally, light leaders, you guys are here to raise the world. We, as I know that I am a light leader, we are not like other people. We are not here to follow a blueprint. We are here to carve a new path. No one has done it the way that we are here to do it. And that can feel eh. It can feel hard. It can feel struggly. It can feel like you just want to sit down for a second. And like, you might have this drive every once in a while. I just wish someone could tell me how to do it. That is absolutely positively not what I'm going to do. I will never tell you how to do it. I will bring you out your very own brilliance. And I will remind you who you are using your human design and so many other tools. If this is calling to you, please head over to kelseyabbott.com slash coaching to learn all about light leader amplification, one-on-one coaching for people who want to raise the world by being their divine self and schedule your free 15 minute consultation with me. I can't wait to talk to you. I love you. Go forth and be awesome.